It is time to delve into story now. It's the fifth day of the Simple Gifts membership drive. If you are like me, you are always on the prowl for a new book to read, right? Yeah. Enjoying a novel, diving into a story that you can truly, you know, get away from your life. That is the biggest gift I have ever received in my life. Mm -hmm. The paperback edition of the novel Beheld is out by Tarashee Nesbet. It is her second novel and has been winning many accolades and awards, including a New York Times Notable Book of the Year, Publishers Weekly Best Fiction Book of 2020. It has been described as a riveting story of a stranger's arrival in the fledgling colony of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Mm. Just in time for Thanksgiving, we get to talk to you, Tara Shee. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. So, Tara Shee, uh, before we get down to business, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> <laughs> You all were making me hungry. I thought, mmm, I need, I need more. So I had, um, what did I have? Yogurt with uh, chocolate granola with coconut and two coffees. Two coffees. <laughs> nice. Good job. People don't usually, they, it's, like, it's like they think coffee is a plural in and of itself. So I appreciate you admitting to two coffees. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Well, I am so curious. Let's talk about so you. This is your second novel. Historical fiction is so interesting to me that, you know, as a creative person, you can learn about history and dive deep into it, but then create characters out of that. So a story like this that you've created and beheld, how did you come to this story? Yes. You know, I, I love doing research, but um, there's always these gaps in the historical record, and I feel like I'm a, a, a non-fiction a writer rather than a historian because I love writing in this space where I can kind of get a sense of what happened, but there's not like letters or archives to sort of lead me down like this is actually what happened and I can assert it. Um, so I came to this story because I had finished my first book, The Wives of Los Alamos, and I was that was about the making of the atomic bomb, but it was really also about nuclear waste and like what do we do with the nuclear waste that we have in America now and I just started thinking like well how did we get here and it led me to that story and I had just finished that book and I was looking for another turning point in history and it was around the time that in the contemporary news I, I sensed a lot of xenophobia there was this sense of who can we let into our borders who can we not and I thought well where do we get what's a kind of origin story in America that sets the tone for who we are as a people. And maybe I, from exploring that story, I can learn more about who we are today. And so I was reading William Bradford's book of Plymouth Plantation, and he was the like 30 year, he was a governor for 30 years in Plymouth, and he was on the Mayflower, and he's how we get that, that story of the pilgrims arriving. And so in his book, he talks about all of the hardships, and he talks about like people that passed away that first winter, and um, he usually goes into detail about what caused their death, but there's one death that he doesn't talk about what happened, and that's the death of his first wife, Dorothy Bradford. And a contemporary like editor had written it in the footnote about that story and how it's somewhat of a mystery still, what, what happened to her. So that really led me down the path of, whoa, I didn't realize that there was this loss on the Mayflower, and um, Bradford leaves that out. And if he's leaving out what happened to his own wife, what else might he have left out of the story of who the pilgrims were and what they did? 
And yeah, so I just That's... researched for about four or five years from there. <laughs> four or five years of research? Oh my gosh. Yeah, no big deal. This is a woman who, <laughs> who gets ideas from footnotes. I adore that. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's that's spectacular. So we have a Heidi. We run a series called Strong Women. Okay, and as a man, I, I I learn a lot about it. And I'm just thinking when you're talking about the Mayflower and us sitting in our classrooms and talking about the Mayflower. I never, there, of course, first there never was a woman depicted, and I never ever thought to myself, why isn't there a woman depicted? That's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. There and. Um, there were so many women, you know, and there's so many women that make a community, that make family, that make things happen. And we, we often can hear the, the male stories, but women are, if not even, if not in the forefront, which oftentimes they are, um, they're behind the scenes, making sure that everything goes well. And they're communicating with one another within the community. And Alice Bradford, so the, the novel has these two perspectives primarily. Alice Bradford, William Bradford's second wife, and she's that governor's wife where she's really trying to figure out how to help the community get along. Um, but her companion storyteller in the novel is um, Eleanor Billington, who's recently out of indentured servitude. And she's pretty mad that she's found herself among these um, Puritans, as they would call them at the time. And so I, it felt really important to me to show a perspective of women who could have been in this community. And they are real women. I did as much research as I could about who they were and what they were like. And they're very different. Eleanor is really angry, but she's, she's used to just saying what, it, what she feels and what she thinks. And Alice is much more reticent. And she's also um, thinking a lot about her friend, uh, Dorothy, who passed away on the ship. We're talking with Tara Shee Nesbitt. Her novel is called Beheld. It's out in paperback now. You can get it as a thank you gift when you pledge your support to this independent public radio station, KEXE, KBXE. Do you mind if we, we have the tradition of gonging people in when they pledge. Do you mind if we take a moment? Some people have called. Oh, please. Okay. Yes, I'm happy go. to be a part of it. Here we go. One, two. Calls to 800 Six six two five seven nine nine. Who'd we hear from, Johnson? Well, we heard from an anonymous from Deer River, uh, showing her support for Northern Community Radio. I want to thank a brand new member from Deer River. So nice. thank you. I wish I could say her name, but I can't. Okay. Because we want to really like officially thank her. And we also heard from someone by the name of Sarah McBroom and Aaron Squadroni. <laughs> They're longtime supporters of Northern Community Radio, and we thank them for their loyal support. Loyal support. Are they taking... I might... They don't she have anything the book? on there. I'm going to pass that book on to her. That's someone that, you know, I, I know, and I know how much she loves, and she's in lots of book groups. I just think this would be such an interesting book, you know, not to learn about history, but also to be thinking about these themes that you were just talking to us about, about who's telling the story of history. Because you're talking about women, so that isn't normally done, but women of different economic stations as well. And then also, you know, Native Americans, they were there, that was going on as well. We don't know that story as yeah. well. Yeah, that's that's right. They, they um, The Wampanoag community is still there and is still... Um, you know, very much alive and present. And I, there was this move in the 1800s at times with a lot of um, forced removal of Native Americans throughout the country in which all of these statues are kind of re um, erected, recognizing Plymouth um, myths, Plymouth stories. 
And that times with like a time of trying to create, I think, a sense of erasure of Native American um, stories. And of course, they're still they're still present today. And um, the, the novel does explore. You know, my my primary interest was in looking at this group that's on the Mayflower, but they're really a different set of people. They're these people who were actually in Holland with religious freedom, but they wanted to probably rise economically, which is why they come to the U.S. And those are the pilgrims. But then there's the indentured servants and the hired help. And when they come here, they create uh, a lot of conflict happens within the community. And so I wanted to sort of critique that or at least analyze that. And it looks outward to say what that what that did to the neighboring communities as well. So I have this. It's not a boring question, but I want to know, was it more fun doing the research or writing the book? And then take us through the process of how you do research. I mean, are you jotting down tons of notes? Tell, take us through that whole process. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of back and forth. When I found that footnote, I was sitting in a class. I was getting my PhD at the University of Denver, and I was just suddenly like, I can't not know this. <laughs> like, I have to know the story. And I felt really haunted by this woman who was on the Mayflower and perished when the, slip, when the ship was moored off of what is now Provincetown Harbor. And so I found out a little bit of I'm partly researching as I go, and then I'm testing if there's enough energy in the writing that it will make for a story that, you know, am I writing this story because it seems like a good story, or do I really have the creative energy for it? And this, this one I just had the creative energy for it. I found, like the first court records and found once I found out what the first um, trial was for, it was a murder trial among um, colonists. And I, and I saw that the people that were involved were people that were on the Mayflower and those two storylines just started to come together and I, and I couldn't stop writing from there, but I have to kind of go back and forth between um, do they have forks? (laughs) And I'll get really stuck. (laughs) You're speaking of breakfast. Um, did they have, they forks? have forks? <laughs> what do I do? Like, you know, a, how can I basically imagine a dinner scene if I don't know if they had forks? And then realizing that, like, I probably don't need to spend two weeks on this load-bearing fork idea. Like, I could probably move on. Um, and, in fact, they didn't have forks, but they were kind of a new Italian thing. And I was able to work that into the story because Alice <laughs> is, is dark, uh, dark hair, and, and a shopkeeper tells her she's as Italian as a fork. But... Um, yeah, so it's really fun. I went to the, you know, I went to Plymouth and I talked with scholars. Um, I had a, I, I worked with a Wampanoag elder and the community to get a Wampanoag perspective. Um, I spent a summer with like my t- two young kids and my husband in Massachusetts and drug them around to things that they were um, happily game for. And uh, and I wrote the draft. You know, the first time I wrote this novel, it was just from Dorothy's perspective, that woman who was on the ship and perished. And then I wrote it a second time from Dorothy's good friend's perspective, the second wife of William. And then a third time, including the perspective of Eleanor Billington. I think I finally, I hope I finally got it right. Um, But it it was great fun. And it's sad to leave your characters, you know, they're still living on, but I did. um, If we had more time, I'd tell you another story, but I went to the, um, the uh, Living History Museum uh, after I'd written the story and came across my characters in real life. And that was amazing. Oh. That was better than writing it when I see Eleanor Billington 
and Mr. Bradford having a conversation and interacting with us. And I just thought, oh, they're like what I thought they might be. So, um, that's well, at Plymouth Patuxent Museum in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So you mentioned your husband. What kind of a relationship do you have with your husband when you're totally lost in all these thoughts nonstop, I'm assuming? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I teach at an, in an MFA program at Miami University, and the graduate students will often ask me, like, what are the secrets to, you know, having a family and having um, a partnership and writing? Like, you're so productive, because I am writing a lot. Um, for me, it's really, it's tied to my mental health. Like, I need to eat well, I need to exercise, and I need to write, um, as well as spend a lot of time with my family. So I think my husband, you know, my, my advice is always like choose a partner that's really going to be an equal partner for you. And my, he's always been like, you know, off in the, go off in the morning and go write your great American novel. Oh, <laughs> it's somewhat joking and someone just like, somewhat like, I know that you need this. This is part of um, what is important to you. So, and then of course, you know, he, he's proud when, when good news comes in as well. So <laughs> he's great. We traveled when I was on book tour together and he's the, you know, the guy in the back with the babies. And um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's what I need. And he has a more flexible schedule. He's a scientist and not a writer. That's also been very helpful because he can read with a very different eye. He's one of my first readers. And he looks for like, um, I don't think the mountains would look like that. Or like those plants aren't native. And they would have been there in 1650 or things like that. Wow. So it sounds like, so we've got a novel. We, it's a historical novel. Women are at the forefront, but true crime almost too. That, that's right. That's right. So the, the, the novel opens on the day that the first colonist is murdered. It's not the first murder by a colonist. As you can imagine, there were um, colonists and militiamen that were committing crimes outside of the colony. But um, on this day, as a, a longstanding member of the community is involved in a murder, and the two different women are going back and forth about what they think happened that day, and it also goes outward towards the murder trial. And you also get the perspective of the two men that are involved in the murder trial. I don't want to say too, right. I don't want to give it away, but, um, but it is true crime. It's based on um, the real story and there aren't a ton of archives about the story. So I had to do some imagining, but there is an argument um, that, that occurs and that unfolds. And it seems to me part of what happens in this first murder trial is that the people that are involved are angry more at a system that they are within in which they are the lower classes. But as often as the case, violence ensues among one another rather than the kind of um, outward violence, the, the anger that they feel towards the environment with their, that they're within. And Alice, though she's telling that story, is also telling the story of this dear friendship she had with her friend Dorothy. And so um, it's a, it's, it's a, about a murder and a trial, and it's also about, um, I think, love and friendship and grief as well. It, I, it, as well as telling you a bit about what it, it might have been like in 1630 in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Oh, you paint a good picture. So, so what's next? What footnotes are you reading? <laughs> um, I, I started, you know, during the pandemic, I thought, I'm not going to have time to write in a way that's like very research heavy and I'm not going to travel. So I went to a story. I thought, what is this one thing that I, that will haunt me if I never write about? And that's what I'm writing about 
it's I will say that it's about three gener- it's a novel about three generations of women set in the Miami Valley in Ohio where I'm from and I don't I can't I'm gonna go right now I mean once we get off the phone I'm gonna go back and, and write on it I'm really excited about it but I can't say too much I Absolutely. don't think until it's in a bit um, more finished sheep. The book we've been talking about is Beheld by Tarashi Nesbitt. You can find more information at her website, tarashinesbitt.com, or call us at 800-662-5799 to let us know you want to support a station that has conversations about creativity and research and new books out there. Tarashi, it was so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for your passion. You can just hear it on the radio. (laughs) The number to call is 800-662-5799. We need your pledge of support this morning, the second to the last day, and we're going to do some math here. We are in countdown mode. We need those pledges to keep on coming in. From history and research and creativity to coming up next, we're going to learn about birds and racial reckoning, and then we're welcoming here to our studio Kelly Chandler, Division Manager for Itasca County Public Health. We're going to get the latest on what is happening in our county, what we can do to mitigate the spread, the large spread of COVID-19. So stay tuned for that conversation. 800-662-5799. Peaks of sun today, cloudy skies, though mainly highs in the mid to upper 30s.